Well, good morning, Flagstone family. Um, it seems almost, uh, silly is not the right word. Um, it just seems almost obvious the answer, and yet I would probably be asking the same question to somebody else. But I've been asked multiple times this morning, so did you survive? I'm here. I survived, you know. <laughs> um, I am beyond thankful uh, to Brandon, to the other chaperones, to our teens for allowing the old man to climb up a mountain with them this last week. It was fun. It was challenging. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it this morning, but um, you can keep asking. So far, I've survived. Now, I may end up passing out later on this week, but so far, <laughs> I've survived the journey. And, and I want to tell you folks, uh, we have an amazing teenage group here at this church. We have amazing teenagers part of our church family. And I am thankful to Brandon and to Morgan for pouring their lives into our teens the way that they do and so many other volunteers that do. It's awesome to be around them. Uh, and I'm just grateful that, that they let me be around them for a week uh, uh, up on the hill. Now, one of the things that, um, the hill, <laughs> really big hill. One of the things that, um, there were several things that I wasn't fully prepared for uh, in going up, up this mountain uh, with the teens this last week. Um, and, and the stuff that you get told about, you know, I, I guess I've been offered the information and just hadn't really soaked in what that was going to be like. And one of those was about meals. Now, if you know me, you know, uh, if, even if you don't know me, look at me, I like food, okay? You know that I that I uh, enjoy food. Uh, Reagan, that was leading our communion prayers this morning, he and I and some other guys used to go at least once a year on some road trips and just eat for an entire weekend. Those were good days, weren't they, Reagan? Yes, and all the guys that used to go on those trips had different kind of roles that they played. One guy was like, you know, I'm gonna get the, the, the nicest, most quality thing uh, that they have. Uh, one guy was whatever this particular restaurant is known for. Uh, you know, is, is that's what I'm going to order. I was always mass quantity guy, whatever, like, give me the three meat platter, give me the, you know, whatever. So knowing ahead of time going on this, on this, um, adventure up the mountain, I knew ahead of time, we weren't going to have a whole lot of food and it's just going to be cooked over, you know, some little stoves. I knew that ahead of time. And yet there's something about just being given a small cup of ramen noodles and going, good luck with that. That's your supper tonight. Uh, you know, a couple of pieces of fried spam and a pancake, which actually isn't that bad, is it? That's pretty good stuff, actually. Um, but for mass quantity, guys, not that much. So when we got back down from the mountain on uh, Friday and we, and we were heading back uh, east, back this direction, we had our supper break. We stopped where there were several fast food locations all around, and we parked in a Wendy's parking lot, and I didn't bother walking a whole bunch of other places. Wendy's is right there. That's where I'm going. Wendy's has big burgers. Did you know this? And they are so much more just tasty and, and just wonderful when you've been on a mountain not eating Wendy's burgers for a week. And, and I walked, you know, a bunch of us walked in and were like, oh, I'm getting something with bacon all over it. And I'm getting, you know, and I got, I, I, I was so excited just driving down the street and, see, and pulling, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Wendy's. I'm so excited. And I'm even texting Christy. You know, I hadn't texted her all week. I'm, I'm like, I'm eating a big old burger, you know. <laughs> I was craving it. 
And I, you know, next week somebody says, hey, let's go to Wendy's. I might be like, eh. But man, on Friday, that sounded like the best thing in the world. And I got a triple burger and I got the giant fries and the biggest drink that they had. And that's what I told them too. She's like, do you want a large combo? I'm like, whatever is biggest, that's what I want. And I was craving it. So excited to have it. Couldn't wait to eat it. And I ate every stinking bite too, I'll tell you that. And... Uh, Brandon, stand up for just a second. Stand up for just a second. Brandon and I are not the same size. That's not a criticism of him. Just obvious. It's just a fact. And Brandon thought, there's no way I'm going to eat all this food on my tray. Did you eat all the food on your tray? Absolutely. Thank you. All right. We were so excited to have the, I mean, and and the reason I'm sharing that with you this morning is because there's, I, I want you to think about times where you just where there was a meal, where there was a certain place you're going to, you just couldn't wait to participate in it. You couldn't wait to have it. You just craved it. Because that's what we're talking about this morning, is our cravings. See, we, we started talking a few weeks ago about guardrails. Bill mentioned it this morning at the, at the beginning of worship. We've been talking about the things that, that God puts in place for us to kind of protect us, to kind of set a boundary for us and say, this is as far as you need to go. And if you start going past this point, things are going to start going bad. I'm doing this to protect you. I'm, not, I'm putting some things in place for you. and I'm, I'm giving you some, some actions and some things I want you to do with your life so that your life will go well, so that you will be blessed, so that you will be a blessing to other people. And the problem is, is that sometimes many of us, myself included, will lean past them, we'll lean over the guardrails, we'll tiptoe past them a little bit, or sometimes we just go crashing right through them. We don't even care because it's whatever my choice is, whatever, whatever it is that I want to do right now, that's what I'm going to do. And we don't even worry about the consequences. And sometimes we get on the other side of the guardrails that God has provided and go, how in the world did I get here? This isn't, wherever, this, this isn't anywhere that I ever wanted to be. And so we've been talking about some of these guardrails that we look at in Scripture and see where God has given us some healthy boundaries in, in order to help us live our lives. And this morning, I want us to, to pay attention to the boundaries, the precautions that God has put in place to deal with our cravings. And let me define that a little bit better, what I mean by, by our cravings. The things that, that, that we are passionate about, the things that I might spend the bulk of my time pursuing, the things that I, that I hunt for and search for, the things that I desperately cling to. It could be any number of things. There are people who crave alcohol. There are people who crave drugs. There are people who crave money and, and, and the bigger job promotions. There are people who crave living in the right neighborhood and, and, and having our kids at, at just the right schools. There are people who crave just stuff. I just want more stuff and I'll go into debt if I have to, but I want to have the newest stuff and the newest gadgets and the newest gizmos and the best look. There are people who crave food. There are people who crave lust and things that they can find on the internet. There's all sorts of things we can crave. And to be honest, honest, there's good things that we can crave too. We can be passionate about our faith. We can be passionate about our family and our marriages. We can be passionate about, about serving other people and, and making a difference in this community. It's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing to pursue something or to crave something. The problem comes in, or I guess the risk is, is what is it that we're craving? And maybe even more so, what are we willing to do to get a hold of it? What are we willing to give up sometimes to grab hold of whatever it is that we're craving? That's why God gives us 
precautions. That's why God says when it comes to stuff that you're, that you're craving, that you're passionate about, that you want so desperately, let's, let's stay within the guardrail. Let's be safe about that. Let's make some good choices with that. Now, we could go through Scripture and find all sorts of different things that God says you don't need to go past this point when it comes to, when it comes to uh, you know, your possessions, when it comes to uh, your money, when it comes to your relationships. There's all sorts of different things. And I, I wanted to share with you this morning, instead of giving a whole bunch of different guardrails, there's one for sure that kind of uh, is a blanket statement that I think if we, could, if we could live within this particular guardrail, we would all be doing a whole lot better. It comes from 1 John in chapter 2. If you got your Bibles, your Bible app, this is almost all the way at the end of the Bible. Look at 1 John. And in chapter 2 and verse 15, John says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Do not love the world. Do not love anything in the world. This is the boundary. This is the guardrail. This is what God says if, if, if you're going beyond this, if you're starting to be passionate about things in this world, you're going to start hurting yourself. You're going to start hurting other people because of what it is that you're pursuing. There's money, there's stuff, there's porn, there's relationships, there's food, there's status, there's addictions. And God says, I don't want you to be passionate about any of those things. I don't want you to love any of those things. Don't hunt for them. Don't crave them. And why is that? Because if we do, things get dangerous. Because if we do, bad things start to happen to us, to our relationships, to the people that we care about. If you go back a few books to the book of Ephesians, as Paul is writing to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter, in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about some people who have either never had a relationship with God or who at some point had a relationship with God and a connection with him and something has caused them to walk away from that. There's other things that they have gotten into and, and, and become more passionate about and they've walked away from that relationship with God. They've lost that connection. And in Ephesians chapter four and verse nine, Paul says, as he's describing those people, he says this, he says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Paul describes the risk right here of not staying within the boundary that God gives us when we look at the things that we're passionate about and craving and, and desiring so much. Paul says, if it's of this world, if it's not of God, and it's something that you just keep craving and, and will do almost anything for, here's what happens. You move beyond just craving it. You do, you do, anything, you do anything to get it. I'll start giving in to, to anything and everything. He says they, they, they give themselves over to all kinds of impurity, to all kinds of indulgences. And, 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 and Paul says, that's what I start doing. When I start craving things that are, that are of this world and not of God, I start craving so much that I get to the point that I don't even recognize it as a problem anymore. Having lost all sensitivity, I don't even care anymore about the consequences. I am, I am so craving that you fill in the blank. 
I'm so passionate about that that I don't care what the consequences are. And it may hurt me, and it may hurt my marriage, and it may hurt my relationship with my kids, with my parents. It may hurt my job connections. It may, it may hurt my, my faith. I don't care because I so want it. This is where God doesn't want us to end up. So he gives us a guard around and says, don't love this world. Don't be passionate about this world. Don't be passionate about the things in this world. Because if that becomes your passion, your craving, the end result is all you want is more and more stuff. And you're never satisfied. Okay, so don't crave anything in this world. Don't love this world. Got it. Don't let my cravings, my desires damage my life or the lives of others. Sounds great. How do I do that? How do I, how do I guard my cravings? How do I guard my desires? Let me give you some action steps real quick this morning and we'll be done. Some things that, that as, I, as I think about the things that, that I desire, the things that I really want to grab a hold of, the things that I need to know ahead of time, as I begin to pursue those things. There's some things that we need to know about ourselves and about where we are uh, just, uh, you know, as we walk through this world and where we are in our connection with God when it comes to the things that we crave. And I want to be, again, I want to be clear, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with having things that I'm passionate about. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with advancing my career, getting job promotions, moving up in the company. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with having a big house, with living in a nice neighborhood. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with, with having food and having possessions and having lots of friends. Those things can be blessings. They can be a blessing to me. I can use them to be a blessing to others. The risk is allowing myself to be so consumed with having those things, with, with getting a hold of those things, that I'm willing to do ungodly things to grab a hold of them or to hold on to them and not let go of them. That I'm willing to risk my relationships, that I'm willing to risk my own faith and, and maybe even let go of my faith in order to grab a hold of whatever it is I'm craving. Do you understand the risk? The things themselves are probably fairly neutral. It's what I allow the desire for those things to do to me. It's, what, it's how I allow my passion for those things to change me. That's the risk. How do I keep that from happening? Well, first thing I need to do, I need to know exactly what it is I'm pursuing. I need to know what it is I'm pursuing. I need to know what I'm searching for. What is it that I'm craving? What's at, what's at the heart of what I'm pursuing? What is it that I'm really after? Because sometimes I can be passionate about this particular possession or this particular thing or this particular relationship. And it's really, if I get down to the heart of it, it's not necessarily that thing. There's something else at the heart of it. There's something that, that, I, that I'm missing that I think that will fill. There's some void in my life that I think if I have this possession, if I live in this neighborhood, if I, if I have this connection with this person, then I'll feel filled. 
I have purpose in my life. I have peace. Whatever it is that I'm really searching for. I need to be honest with myself. I need to be honest with my God about what it is that that really is the most important thing to me. What it is that really has my focus in my heart. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever it is that I, that I, that I am, am, let me interrupt myself. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be. Well, I think the, op- the if you switch that around, it's true as well. Wherever my heart is, you can see where my treasure is. You can see what's most important to me. You can see what I value most. I guess what, what I'm trying to get across is that I need to pay attention to what I spend the bulk of my time or the bulk of my money or the bulk of my energy or the bulk of my focus on because that whatever that is that's what truly owns my heart that's truly where my treasure is and i need to recognize what it is that i truly crave there's a story that we've talked about with this church family on multiple occasions and so i don't want to spend a whole lot of time in it this morning but it's in the book of mark and we look just now at Matthew chapter 6. The very next book is called, is called Mark. And in Mark chapter 10, there's a story told of, of a young man that comes to Jesus who has a lot of possessions. But he's also a very religious person. And he comes to Jesus and just basically has a question like, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything right. I know all the rules. I've gone to church all my life. I've memorized scriptures. I've, I've done everything that I think I'm supposed to. Is there anything that I'm leaving out? And Jesus... His, his final response is, it comes in, in uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning verse 21. He says, they looked at him and said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. I think this man was trying to convince himself that what, he was, that what he was hunting for, what he was craving, what he was pursuing, was pleasing God. And in the culture of Jesus' day, a lot of people believe that God rewarded you for doing all the right things. For going to church really often, for memorizing scripture, for keeping all the rules the best that you can. The more that you did the right things, the more things you checked off your checklist, the more that God would bless you. And so if he's got a lot of wealth, what does that mean? He's done a lot of the right things in his own mind. And God is really pleased with him because he's kept all the rules. He's done everything right. And now he's worried there may be something I left out. There may be something I'm not doing right. And what's the risk? If I'm not doing everything right, if there's something I'm leaving out, if there's something I'm absolutely doing wrong, what could happen? God would be upset. God would punish me. God would take away all this stuff. What was this guy really pursuing? Was he pursuing obedience to God? Was he pursuing a relationship with God? Was he pursuing a connection with God? He's pursuing his stuff. That's at the heart of what he actually was passionate about. Do you see that? And this is why when Jesus says, okay, you really want to have treasure in heaven? You really want to be blessed? Sell everything you got and come follow me. Let's see what happens. Whoa. Hold on a minute. 
I need to know what it is I'm actually pursuing. This guy didn't pay attention to the fact that what he was actually pursuing was stuff, money. He had convinced himself, maybe even tried to convince other people that he was all about pursuing a relationship with God. That wasn't it at all. Jesus got down to the core of it. You are hunting for and pursuing and clinging to stuff. You need to let go of it. If I'm going to keep from loving things in this world, if I'm going to keep from crashing through the guardrails that God has put in place for me, first thing i got to do is know exactly what it is I'm actually pursuing, actually passionate about. I need to identify it and know it for sure. Be honest about it. The second thing is that I need to know what the end result is going to be. When... When I get a hold of whatever this is that I'm hunting for, whenever I get a hold of whatever it is that I'm searching for, what's going to be the end result? Could be positive, could be negative. But I need to, I need to think about ahead of time if, again, fill in the blank, whatever it is, if what I'm chasing after, once I actually get it, what's going to happen? Will I be satisfied or am I going to still want more? Will I have to give up anything? Will I have to sacrifice anything? Will I get hurt? Will I end up hurting other people because I'm so passionate about whatever it is I'm searching for? What's the end result going to be? Long time ago, long time ago, when I was in elementary school, I had a friend that lived on a farm outside of Fort Smith. And uh, I say a farm. They had a lot of land. They had a few, a very few um, head of cattle. And we, me and uh, another kid went over to this friend's house we're out running around in the middle of the afternoon. We got the little toy guns. We're playing war and, I don't know, whatever, shooting each other. And, and, and these cows were out in this field. <clears throat> and most of them is getting towards the evening time. It was about supper time. Most of them kind of come into uh, this barn corral kind of area. We're a pl- there's a place where they could come on in. We could shut the gate, but we didn't have the gate shut at this point. But most of them, I guess they knew kind of when feeding time was, and they were kind of heading that direction. But there were three or four of them, I think four for sure, they were kind of out in this field. And I don't even know what possessed us, but we just thought, let's go chase cows. And so we took these little toy guns, and we started running after them out in the fields. And, and it's the dumbest thing in the world. I'm picturing it in my mind. I can see it. I can see the clothes I was wearing. I can see the field that we're running through. This big pasture. And we're running. These cows start running away from us. And we got these little toy guns. They're like click, click. You know I mean? They're not even making any like really loud banging sounds. We're chasing after these cows. And we're chasing after them going boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and shooting these guns. It's the stupidest thing in the world. We're just having a ball doing it. Until we got to the fence line. And the cows didn't go running through the fence, but they just kind of stopped. And so we stopped. And then they turned around. And we thought, they're bigger than us. <laughs> and we took off and started running. And we barely got back to the uh, area. And we kind of jumped over the gate in the fence. And they were running. They were coming after us. It scared me to death. I was terrified of these cows. And the reason I share that with you is because we're chasing after these cows. We're chasing across this field. I don't know what we thought we were going to do when we got to them. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what the point was. We're just chasing cows across the field. If we got to a point where we pinned them in, what are we going to do now? I don't know. Well, we ended up running. It could have turned out a whole lot worse than what it did. The reason I share that with you is because Well, let me just confess to you from my perspective. I'll go chasing after a whole bunch of stuff sometimes and not even thinking about what's going to happen when I get it. 
What are going to be the consequences of this? What's the end result? Am I going to be satisfied with it? Is this really what I want to be chasing after? And I don't even think about those things because I'm just, I'm hunting for it. I'm pursuing it. You ever do that? Chasing after that one possession, chasing after that job promotion, chasing after that one dating relationship, chasing after the whatever it is, and you fill in the blank. Paul gives an example in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. He says, some people that are eager for money, that are pursuing and hunting after money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul says that, that there are those who pursue and hunt after wealth, and the end result is that they've lost their faith, that they've hurt themselves, that they've hurt other people. They didn't think about what the end result would be. They just wanted to chase after whatever it was that they thought that they wanted. Folks, we could put anything in the blank there. He says some people who, 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 have, uh, who, who are eager for money, we could put money, we could put food, we could put lust, we could put relationships, we could put drugs, we could put affairs, we could put uh, friendships, a certain friendship. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could put in that blank and say, I'm, I've been so eager for whatever it is. And I've hurt myself and other people in the process. I'm trying so desperately to get a hold of it. I didn't pay attention to what the end result would be. Because I was so focused on just chasing after it. Think about what the consequences are going to be. Know that ahead of time. On the positive side, you go down a few verses later in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And Paul says in verse 18, command them, talking about just Christians, command them to do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Again, know what the end result is going to be. Paul says, when I pursue doing good things, and not just good things for me, good things for other people, when that becomes my passion, I build my faith. I build my connection with God. I get a hold of the things that really matter. If I'm going to keep from loving things in this world, if I'm going to stay within the guardrails that God gives me for my cravings, one of the things that I've got to do is know what the end result is going to be once I get a hold of whatever it is I'm pursuing. Real quick, number three, I need to know when I'm being mastered. There are some times in my life that I may not even realize that I've gone past the boundary that God set for me. I may not realize that I've been doing some ungodly things in order to grab a hold of whatever it is I'm hunting for. I may not realize the damage that I've done to my marriage, to my own physical health, to my spiritual health, to my friendships, to my faith, because I've been so consumed by whatever it is that I'm craving. Remember that verse we looked at in Ephesians chapter 4? I lose sensitivity. I lose perspective. I don't pay attention to the damage that's being done because I'm so consumed by whatever it is that I'm hunting for. And whatever it is I'm hunting for has now become my master. It's calling the shots in my life. 
Whatever it is I'm hunting for is now dictating my actions. It's dictating the words that come out of my mouth. It's dictating my relationships and how I treat other people. Paul gives us this warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Paul says there's things that I can be passionate about and might even have permission. You know, people wouldn't even have a problem with me pursuing those things. But the problem is the thing I got to be watching for is not allowing those things to become my master. It may seem like, it may not seem like it's that big a deal. It may, it may seem like it's, it's trivial to pursue whatever it is that I'm pursuing. But if it, whatever it is, it's calling the shots in my life. It owns my heart. And if it owns my heart, there's nothing but hurt down the road. For me, for my faith, for people that I care about. I need to figure out how to let it go. Every once in a while, I need to be honest with myself. Is the thing that I am pursuing so desperately actually controlling my life? And if so, I need to stop and need to let it go. Last thing. This may be the toughest of all. I need to know, I need to learn how to be content. I need to know how to be content. In the Old Testament the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that the eye never has enough of seeing. That if it, if it belongs to this world and if I'm pursuing it, that even if I get it, more often than not, it's never enough. That I never, I never quite get what it is that I'm chasing after. And if I truly want to stay within the guardrail that God's given me when it comes to my cravings, when it comes to things that I'm passionate about, I need to learn to be content. I need to learn to be happy and to be satisfied with what I have and with what God has blessed me with and not consistently and constantly hunting for all the things that I don't. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is, is talking about having some, some of the needs in his life met by some other people. And he says in verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I love that Paul used that language because contentment doesn't happen naturally. Being satisfied, being filled, being happy with where I am in life doesn't happen naturally. It's learned. Paul says, it's taken me a while. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be satisfied. I've learned to be present in whatever moment in my life it is that God has given me. It didn't happen naturally. It took conscious effort. Okay, Paul, so what's the secret? How did you learn that? He says it two verses later in verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul's not saying I can just do anything and everything I want to because I'm a Christian and I've got permission to. Paul says I can do whatever it is that God empowers me to do and I can handle whatever it is that, that may be difficult, that may be a trial for me, that may not go the way that I want it to because God empowers me to do that. And the things that God wants me to be a part of and wants to be a part of my life, he's gonna put those things out there for me and I'm gonna be able to grab a hold of them. But whatever it is, good, bad, awful, wonderful, 
wonderful? I've learned to be content because I know that I am God's child and that he is blessing me and that he is empowering me to either go do things that I've never been able to do before or to handle whatever difficulties may come my way. Does that make sense? It's learned, it's conscious effort. I have learned to rest in the power of Jesus Christ no matter what the circumstances. What a difference it would make in our lives if that was our heart all the time. I gotta learn contentment. I got to learn to enjoy what God has given me. That's how I keep from loving things in this world. That's how I keep from hunting for the things that are just going to do me harm. I'll wrap up with this. I, I appreciate your attention this morning. I'm, I'm ready to be done. Back to the burgers from Wendy's. I ate the whole thing, my whole tray full of food, and it was so good. I enjoyed every bite. I think we were even moaning a little bit as we were taking bites. I just, oh, this is the best burger I've ever had in my life. You know what's crazy? A few hours later, I was hungry again. I even got something else to eat before I went to bed. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. I've eaten a few times since then. Because as good as that was, as, man, as much as I was looking forward to it, as much as I enjoyed eating that burger and those fries, as, as good as that was, it was temporary. It went away. I got hungry again. I didn't stay satisfied. This is really simplistic, folks. This is what the world does. That's what things in this world do. They may satisfy. They may satisfy really well for a small amount of time. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. I want to leave you with this this morning. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who crave a connection with God. Blessed are those who want desperately to be God's child and to reflect God in everything that they do in every aspect of their lives. Because when that is my passion, what does Jesus say? I'm going to be what? Filled. It satisfies. It's a blessing. It fills me up. It fills up the lives of other people around me because I am passionate about him, because I'm pursuing a connection with him, because I want to honor him and reflect him in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids, in my relationship with parents, with coworkers, that people see God in me and hear God's words come from me. When that is my passion, when that is what I'm pursuing, I get full. What a promise. We're going to stand together in just a second. We're going to sing a song together. A prayer to God, asking God to turn our hearts away from the things in this world that would pull us away from him. And as we get ready to sing that song, I, I just, I want to invite you, if you are being completely honest with yourself right now, sitting where you are, looking at your life, are there some things that you've been chasing after?
pursuing, craving. That God desperately wants you to stay away from. Are there things that you are chasing after, and in that pursuit, in that chase, you are, you are finding yourself further and further away from him? Would you be willing to share that with us this morning? Let us pray for you. Let us help you. To let go of that chase, to let go of that pursuit, and to be filled with the joy and peace and purpose that comes from resting in the power and relationship and connection with Jesus Christ. If there's something you need to let go of and stop chasing so that you can start pursuing a connection with him, please come forward and let us know that. We'll do whatever we can to help. While together we stand and sing.